0: welcome to the reiki gateway podcast with reiki masters kathleen johnson and andrea kennedy journey with us and let's explore what lies beyond the reiki gateway hello and welcome this is andrea kennedy and i am with my co-host kathleen johnson And you, our listeners, are so important to us. We love engaging with you. And today's episode is a result of that. And we want to answer some questions, some very important and I think intelligent questions that many of you will be interested in. And if more questions arise as a result, please visit our website, send us an email, let us know, and perhaps we will delve deeper into some of these topics or some new ones. Kathleen? What did Alex have to say?
1: Thanks, Andrea. And yes, welcome to all our listeners. It's good to be here again. I heard from Alex back in April of this year, and his question was about all the different forms of Reiki that are out there. He said he finds them rather confusing. And he also said that he knows that people have invented new forms of Reiki. He doesn't really know what that means. And his concern is that the old forms are now outdated. And he doesn't really understand or know what there is to be improved upon with Reiki because it's filled, as he put, with so much light and ease, which I really love that. It truly is. So I thought that was a really good question, Andrea. There are so many styles, forms, systems of Reiki out there, and this is something I touch on in my Reiki classes, and you probably do too. But I think it's a good time to answer Alex's question as best we can, I did reply to him via email, but I think it'd be fun to just expand upon his question now, because maybe some of our listeners, in addition to Alex, have had a similar question about this.
0: Oh, I so agree. And on social media, these sorts of questions seem to arise regularly. And so I'm excited to talk about this. And I think these are very common questions. I don't think that they're really limited to just people new to Reiki. I think Even people who've been practicing Reiki for some time may still have questions like this that, you know, they would appreciate having some new perspective about. That's true.
1: That's true. And I still get these questions from clients and students as well. And my thoughts on this are as follows. He's absolutely right, Alex. It can be very confusing. And I'm the first one to admit that because... I'm confused by some of it at times, (laughs) but to answer the question as to whether the old forms are still valid, of course they are. They are still valid. They are still valuable. And what I have learned is that many of them, if not most of them, are the foundation for the new styles of Reiki. So there's no worries about that. No one is going to be getting rid of any Reiki forms. We just feel that people are guided to learn and be trained in and practice the style, the form, the system of Reiki that is best for them, whatever that may be. And whatever system you're guided to, that is the right one for you because Reiki Its wisdom is unerring because it comes directly from spirit, and it knows what we need far better than we do. So we just need to accept and trust that the style of Reiki you're guided to use and practice is the right one for you.
0: Absolutely correct. I totally agree, Kathleen. And we know different styles, right? I mean, I know I've learned different styles of Reiki along the way. And it's not like I am sorry I ever learned a certain style. I mean, I think everything brings value to our practice and our understanding. Um, I know when I started, I started with Usui Tibetan Reiki, and then I moved on to Karuna Reiki, and then Holy Fire Reiki, and Holy Fire Karuna Reiki. I think we'll talk more about the Holy Fire styles later. But Kathleen, what style did you start out with? What have you been trained in?
1: Like you, Andrea, I was first trained in the Usui Tibetan method, and I had that for some time. And then I was trained in Kundalini Reiki, which isn't as well known of a style as the Usui Tibetan or even the Holy Fire. And I use that for my personal practice, uh, self-treatment, that kind of thing. I don't teach that and I, I don't really practice it with clients. And then eventually I was led to train in Holy Fire Reiki, which is the one that I practice and teach exclusively as of now. But as you said, there are so many forms. Who knows what's waiting for us out there? I may at one point say, you know, I'd like to learn fill-in-the-blank Reiki. Something about that just seems to draw me. And in the past, I've been guided to, or I shouldn't say guided to because I haven't followed through on it, but I've been drawn to angel Reiki, although I haven't yet done it. So, But I keep that option open. Mm -hmm. I always keep my options open as far as training and learning new things. I think that's super important, especially when we're in this type of practice, when we are growing spiritually, it's important to remain open to new things. So I'll see where it takes me. But right now I have Usui Tibetan, Kundalini, and Holy Fire.
0: I sort of describe it as flavors of ice cream. You know, there's no bad flavor of ice cream in my book. They're all great. The foundations of them are all sweet and yummy, but they're just certain flavors that I'm drawn to. And uh, not to put down, you know, vanilla, but man, if I can have chocolate, I'm going to do chocolate. Um, So that's kind of how I describe it to my students. So to me, there's really just no judgment. And it's funny that you mentioned angel Reiki because I, too, have, I don't know, contemplated that from time to time. I do have a certain interest in that. And like you, I haven't followed through, but... You know, maybe one day we'll take a class together, Kathleen. Wouldn't that be fun?
1: Oh, that would be fun. Let me know, because <laughs> that might be the motivation I need. We can be yeah. students together. That would be fun.
0: <laughs> it would be. And then we'd, we can come on here and we can tell everybody what it was like. And so. That's
1: right. And that's right. And part of Alex's question was, how do these new styles come about? Where did they come from? Which is a valid question, and I think one that maybe many of our listeners have as well. What do you think, Andrea?
0: Well, I do have some thoughts on this, and I believe that as we learn and as we practice, whatever style of Reiki that is, we are growing spiritually. We might tune in more to spirit, we might be guided more, and we might even begin to channel different information. Uh, We might have inspiration, all guided and led by spirit. And what I have found that has happened or my understanding about how the different styles develop is just that the person, the individual is practicing whatever style of Reiki that they're practicing, and then they begin to get new information or new techniques, uh, new ideas that they were not taught in a Reiki class, but they feel are valid, valuable and a progression of their Reiki practice. And what is important, I think, is if they follow their guidance and they wanna share that with others, that is what becomes the new style of Reiki. But it would be quite confusing if they added it to whatever style they learned and then called it the same thing, then we start to get confused, right? And I can give you an example of this okay i had mentioned i took karuna reiki and that was developed by william rand now there are a lot of karuna reikis out there and so let's just backpedal just really quickly my understanding of of how karuna developed is that different reiki people in william's orbit um, began to see different symbols and so they would draw them, and they would send them in to him, and they'd say, "What does this mean?" and that and And he, you know, said, "I don't know. It came to you." and, uh, but he filed these all away. And these people wanted to learn about the symbols and and what the energy was and that kind of thing. And it developed where they got a bunch of the symbols out. There were a lot of them in common. And he worked with a group of Reiki practitioners and and masters, I'm sure. And they began to work with the symbols and contemplate and meditate on them to find out the different energies of those symbols. And as they did that, this Karuna style of Reiki developed. And he began to then teach that. These, these people he worked with who had who had developed the symbols and first saw them actually wanted him to teach. And so that's what led to all of this. So as he began to teach Karuna Reiki, Students came and they learned Karuna and then they went back home or wherever it was and they practiced. And then guess what? They had inspiration, their practice changed and evolved and then they started adding things but they didn't change the name. And so what ended up happening was one practitioner would say, oh yeah, I'm a Karuna Reiki master. And then another one would say, oh, I am too. And then when they got to talking, There were differences in what they learned. There were differences in how they learned it. There were differences in the techniques that they learned in their classes, but yet they were still titled the same Karuna Reiki master. And that really led to a lot of confusion. So one Karuna Reiki practitioner and a different one would be on very different pages And that's going to bring me to the next little topic here that I'm going to throw out. And maybe we can circle back at this. But um, in the Reiki community, I personally believe it's really important that things are transparent and easy to understand and that there's a certain consistency across the board. So hearing that this Karuna master had these symbols and that Karuna master had different symbols. Oh, that to me doesn't feel right. And um, it, our listeners might be aware that there's a Karuna Reiki that has a trademark on it, the little R with the circle. And so what William decided he needed to do was trademark the the Karuna Reiki that he was teaching. And this is often misunderstood because uh I think many of us see a trademark and we think about money and, you know, branding and, you know, that kind of thing. But really the intent behind the ICRT trademarks that are both Karuna and also Holy Fire are to help preserve the curriculum, the training and how and what is taught in the classes so that if a Karuna Reiki master that William has taught, and another Karuna Reiki master that William has taught, they match. They can come together and they're speaking the same language. They have the same symbols, they have the same techniques, they teach the classes the same. And I want to say this also this very much, I think, helps and supports prospective students because. If you're out there and you're thinking about a different style and we're we're kind of contemplating Angel Reiki, right? Um so, you know, I'm I'm always a student. So if I'm going to go out and look at a style to learn, I I would feel better knowing that if I took a a certain style of Reiki where I live in Michigan and Kathleen if you took it where you live in Pennsylvania and we got together afterwards I would really like to know that we learn the same thing, you know, that we're practicing together a certain style. And so I think having a trademark, knowing with certainty that as a student, I'm learning what was intended when the style was developed, to me, that's valuable. And I like that.
1: I'm really glad you brought that up, Andrea. It's so important, and I completely agree with what you said about the consistency and the standards. I think to do otherwise, really, it it doesn't help Reiki as a whole. Uh, Reiki is looked askance by many people as it is, and then when we have these kind of Pieces all over the place, and everybody kind of doing what they want, that makes it seem even less valid. And I get that. I mean, even though I practice Reiki Mm -hmm. and I'm absolutely fully on board with Reiki, I can understand that looking at it from the outside, it looks like it looks like a mess, like it's all over the place. So having the consistency Mm -hmm. and the standards makes so much sense, and it helps to enhance and uplift the entire profession. I think it's desperately needed.
0: I couldn't agree more. And so the next question that might come up is, well, but wait, how come some of them are trademarked and not others? Even if a person takes William's Karuna Reiki or the trademarked Holy Fire system, William has even said in classes, he developed new systems. He has nothing against people developing new systems of Reiki. If new information comes into them, go ahead and develop that style of Reiki and put it out there and teach it. He just says, call it something different. Just change the name. And that, again, is to help everyone understand that there are differences and that consistency again. And I just really appreciate and respect that because we're all connected to source. We all get inspiration. And new ideas and guidance. And so we don't want to say that that's wrong in any way. It's just good for you. Come up with a new name so everybody understands. And I I think that's great.
1: Yes, and I think that's absolutely fair because if someone takes um, Holy Fire and then comes up with different ways of channeling Holy Fire, different techniques, but still calls it Holy Fire, that's where things start to get a little dicey. So coming up with a new name, if you have been able to channel and develop something new, I think that's only fair. And I think any person who's been practicing Reiki for any length of time has had this happen where... You're maybe not developing a new style of Reiki, but you come up with new symbols and new techniques. And speaking for myself, I have been guided to several new techniques that were never taught in any classes that I took. But the thing is, and you touched on this a few moments ago, is to share them. And I do, I teach them in my classes, I publish them in my articles because I want people to know about these techniques because they've worked for me and I want them to work for anyone else who wants to try them. So I think that's key too, is sharing that knowledge. But like you said, you don't keep calling it the same thing. A couple new techniques doesn't really change the entire flavor of the system, But when you start channeling new, really new information, that's when it shifts. So there's a fine line there, but I think we all know the difference and we have to be careful there.
0: Yes, I completely agree. And, you know, these two styles that we've mentioned, Karuna and Holy Fire with trademarks, there are others with trademarks as well. One that comes to mind is Rainbow Reiki. Right. That's one style I'm familiar with that has a trademark. For me, when I learned this explanation of the trademark. And I actually learned it in one of William's classes. Someone had a question about it and he responded in that way. And when I heard him explain it, it really took me aback because I admit I had some reservations and I had some questions about, yeah, what is the deal with that trademarking stuff? His explanation really helped me. And so I'm hoping that sharing it here will help others.
1: Yes, and I'm glad you shared that too, because I think a lot of people have that misconception about the trademark. I have to admit, when I first saw that, my response internally was pretty much the same as yours. But one thing I did want to say is regarding all these new types of Reiki is that the underpinning for the majority of them is the Usui Tibetan system. That is the gold standard, if you will. And so most of these new systems, if I can use the word most, spring from that foundation. And I think that's important to keep in mind, too. We're not reinventing the wheel here. Absolutely not. We are just expanding upon growing and evolving Reiki as we know it in today's world. And I think that is an important point.
0: Yes. And another way that I sometimes discuss this in my classes with my students is it isn't that the energy is really changing. The energy is timeless. The energy has been there forever. But the variable here is our awareness and our ability to tune into the energy and to utilize the energy. It's sort of like This visual. If you imagine a shaft of water, like a waterfall, coming down in front of you as the energy, the source energy, that's the timeless energy. That's the unchanging, wonderful, all that is energy. You can imagine yourself standing right outside that energy. We can see the energy. We can perhaps feel it. But over time, as we've been evolving spiritually... We've moved closer and closer into the flow. And so years ago, perhaps you might imagine that we were just standing on the edge of the waterfall of the energy and experiencing that and that level of awareness. But over time and with practice, we've merged further and further into this waterfall of the source energy. And you can imagine how that would feel differently from standing at the edge of the waterfall to be in it. As we change, our experience of the energy and our awareness of it changes. And that, I think, fuels a lot of the changes that we've seen. And I call it evolution in Reiki, all the different styles. The other thing I'll mention is that if we have various styles, we're going to appeal to more people. Because what resonates with one person might not with another. And that, again, goes back to the ice cream analogy. But at the core, it's all ice cream. At the core, it's really all that source energy. It's just what experience you're choosing to have with it.
1: Exactly. Evolution was the word I used as well talking about this, and that's how the energy develops because different people accessing it differently and working with it differently, it allows that source energy to permeate and affect more and more people all the time. And as you said, learning new styles, receiving new systems makes it so much more accessible to so many people. And that's the idea behind Reiki. Reiki is available to everyone. There are no limitations on who can learn it and how they learn it. It is completely up to us. All we need to do is approach it willingly, voluntarily, be open to it, and... Reiki does the rest, regardless of what style you choose to learn. It's all about what you're guided to do. And I like your analogy of the waterfall, the energy, of course. As we grow spiritually, we move closer and closer to that energy until eventually we've got a toe dipped in it, maybe, you know, a a part of our arm. And then at some point, we actually feel that we've merged with it to a degree. And as we do that, the ability to receive information from that source grows exponentially. And it's at that point when you start to receive those downloads and that intuition and perhaps new symbols and techniques and maybe even a new system. Who knows? But I want the listeners to understand that this isn't something that's like a cash grab or anything commercial, I have to say that I firmly believe that most, if not all, the forms of Reiki out there really did come from spirit, from source, and were accessed by the individual for that individual's knowledge and for that individual to share like Andrea was describing her classes and how she describes this to her students. And I love that explanation of the waterfall. I may, uh, I may co-op that, (laughs) but I always tell them that the energy is the same. It's all the same energy. It's all about how we access that energy. That's where it starts to get a little different, but it doesn't change the, the innate energy. It's still that wonderful, healing, loving, guiding energy at the end of the day.
0: Yes, it is. And I would also offer, at least from my perspective, there are certain attributes about Reiki that just, I just love Reiki for these reasons. And one of them, and you mentioned this a minute ago, it's open to everyone. There's no bar that you have to uh, jump over. There are no certain beliefs that you must have. It is open to everyone, which I so resonate with. But what I will say also is I can understand Alex's confusion, because when we talk about Reiki so simple, and it's open to everyone, and it can only do good. I mean, I'm listing all the reasons I just love Reiki here, but it is so simple. It is open to everyone. And if we focus on that, then it does sort of seem a bit confusing to have all the different styles. It's like, well, then keep it simple, stupid, right? We've all kind of heard that saying. <laughs> so what's the deal? And I would say that I think people have a general need to complicate things and make it seem like there are certain milestones or labels or something. I Maybe it's because it helps them identify with it or experience it in a different way. So yes, while Reiki is really simple, and it is open to everyone, I do think that there is a certain value to having these different styles. Even if you look at it like it might complicate things a little bit, because I think it does help connect people to it. I think the different styles, in a way, are certainly sort of like techniques within one system or symbols within one system. The systems are tools to connect us to the energy and perhaps the styles of Reiki could be looked at in a similar way. The styles are also tools in a sense that resonate with certain people that help connect them, help be the bridge for them to access that very simple universal energy.
1: Yes, that's what it comes down to. I think that when you look at Reiki in its very simplest form, what do you need to learn Reiki? I mean, truly, what do you need? You need an attunement or a placement or whatever the particular system calls the transmission of energy to the student. You need that. You need a willingness to learn, and you need intention, and you're good to go with Reiki. It is not difficult. It is not complicated. But as you said, it does get a little confusing because of the variety of systems out there. I agree with you. I think we humans tend to complicate things, sometimes unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. But I do think it has to do with us wanting to claim a certain identity, wanting to find something that resonates with who we are as an individual. But that's okay, because that then, as we discussed a few minutes ago, Makes Reiki the energy of Reiki so much more accessible to so many more people, because all the different styles out there, like you said, the flavors of ice cream. There's something for everyone. Maybe the Baskin Robbins of healing energy. That's (laughs) Reiki. You know, it's it's there's something for everyone. There is, there is. And if you're interested in Reiki, there is a style or a system. Probably more than one. That is right for you. And I think that's why there are so many, because spirit, once again, has so much wisdom, all the wisdom, and Reiki is for everyone. It's a gift from spirit, and spirit wants us to use that gift. It is made available to us for our healing, for our evolution. So why not have it in so many different styles that so
0: many people can use it? It just makes sense to me. It totally does to me too, Kathleen. I want to circle back though on something. We're talking about different styles and how they resonate with you and certain ones won't resonate and all of that kind of thing, all these different flavors. And I want to venture into a little bit of personal stuff with us, the two of us. And we both learned Usui Tibetan Reiki. I was very happy with Usui Tibetan Reiki and happy as a little clam. And then one day, I opened an email or something, and it said something about this new style, holy fire Reiki. And I had quite a reaction to that, Kathleen. So I'm going to delve here into confessions of a Reiki master. That's kind of my little phrase that I use in my classes and things like this, where I sort of pull back the curtain and let you know my personal take as a Reiki master as I navigate Real world stuff, right? So, Confessions of a Reiki Master here. I opened that email, I think it was back in 2014, and I read this new style, Holy Fire Reiki. And I think my heart sank, and I probably got a little bit perturbed, is probably the word, you know, just to be completely honest. Because here I thought, I'm practicing Reiki, everything's great. And that's like, wait, a new style. And I'm sure it was an egoic response for me because I then had to question, well, wait, what am I practicing and start gauging that like, oh, now do I have to go do this new style to be relevant? So I totally went down the rabbit hole with that. And I wasn't really sure about this whole Holy Fire style for a variety of reasons. And I'd be interested, Kathleen, what were your first impressions? (laughs)
1: Similar to yours, Andrea, um, I, too, was very happy with Usui Reiki. I was teaching it. I was practicing it. Everybody was happy, happy, and so was I. And then I think I saw my first glimpse of Holy Fire Reiki in one of the Reiki news magazines. It was on the cover, and it said something to the effect that introducing Holy Fire Reiki. And my response was, Holy Fire? Holy blank. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, no, um,
0: yes.
1: <laughs> and I'll just not put that out on the air, but yeah, I, I was very much like you thinking, what is this now? And since it came from the ICRT, whose manuals I use, and I like what they teach, and I was using all that information for my classes, I trust them. And so for this information coming from them, it sort of rocked my world. Like, what is this? Mm
0: -hmm. But
1: so I was resistant to it. I was very much Mm -hmm. resistant to it. And I have to say, the main reason when I was able to get past the initial shock, like now what, is that it brought up some religious trauma for me. The word Mm -hmm. holy was very off-putting for me because Mm -hmm. I'd been teaching Reiki And I was always very, very clear in my classes about how Reiki is not affiliated with any religion. It has no dogma, all these things, which is true. But then I see holy fire Reiki and I'm again, what? It sounded religious to me. Me And then the specter of religious trauma reared its ugly head and I was off. So it took me a full year plus to come around to Holy Fire Reiki. It kept coming up in my consciousness. Everywhere I looked, I'd see something about Holy Fire Reiki. So I knew enough by that point to pay attention to the guidance. And ultimately, I was led to go for the training. And I learned the whole thing behind Holy Fire Reiki. And in the meantime, I had been able to work through some of that religious trauma So it was all good. Now, Andrea, I know you and I have had brief conversations about this. So I'm wondering what kind of revelations this had for you.
0: Yeah, I guess there are different things I could offer. First, I want to say I I so resonate with what you said, because the word holy, it did the same thing to me. I didn't grow up in a real religious family or anything like that, but I was so dedicated to this teaching about Reiki, not having any religious connotation even on my brochure I had printed better living for any age background or belief and I was completely on board with Reiki for those reasons so when I saw that word holy I kind of flipped and I felt and this is a strong word but I'm going to use it I felt a little betrayed I felt a little bit betrayed Mm -hmm. because here I had put all my eggs in this basket With Usui Tibetan, like you, I very much respected the ICRT. And the fact that right on the cover of their Reiki News magazine, they used to uh, actually print on every issue something about respecting all lineages and styles. And I I don't think those are the exact words, but that was the tagline almost of Reiki News magazine. And I loved that because it was inclusive. And inclusive, just like right. any age, background, or belief. And and so what happened was I kind of flipped out. And I'm sure I, like, walked away from my computer, shaking my head, going, <laughs> you know, what am I going to do? But I'll admit, I had this urge, like, okay, great. When are the classes? I got to sign up for the classes. And I knew that that was not correct for me. But it was that thing inside, that little humanness, wanting to keep up with, how things were going, wanted to stay on top of things. I remember having some conversation with my husband and I bring him up from time to time, especially my classes, because he's always been such a great sounding board. He brings me down to earth when I'm in the stratosphere and things like that. I was talking to him about it and he said, you know what? If you decide to take the class, then great. But he said, I'd Invite you to take it for the right reasons, that you want to take it, that you want to learn this, that you're inspired by it instead of going to the class because you feel like you need to complete yourself or that you're less than and that the class is going to fill that hole or something. I knew he was right. And so I usually like to move real quick on stuff, you know. I'm all about change and all of that. But I thought, okay, I'm just going to put this on the back burner, and I'm not going to make a decision about it right now. That's what I did. I just sat on it, and and I was happy with it. And then one day, I just was sort of spacing out like I do and just probably staring off into (laughs) space next to my computer or something. And I thought about holy fire. And I guess I was in a meditative, quiet state, and I had this visual come in. And the visual was the planet Earth, and I saw the Earth, and then this energy, like, whizzed by my head towards the planet. I had an an awareness that this energy was this holy fire Reiki, this holy fire energy. The energy whizzed by me. The feeling was the Earth was in big trouble. We were, like, high alert. We needed help here really badly. Here comes that energy, And when it hit the planet, when it accessed the earth, I saw it matrix out like in a grid, a light grid all around the earth, like really fast. And I was just taken aback. And the awareness that came in with that was that this energy, this holy fire energy was an answer to a yearning, a need here on the planet. And then in my mind, I had asked, why William? Why would this energy come to William Rand? You know, and that was answered for me. And that was the energy needed a fast delivery system, a quick delivery system, a way to access more people on the planet. Now, if we shift back to Usui, he was one man on a mountaintop and it took quite some time for Reiki to be shared around the world. We know the history of Reiki. But what I want to say is by this energy coming to William, who personally, I'm going to say, from what I know, he's very good at following his guidance. He's so good at that. And when he, oh, yes, yes Absolutely. he listens and he, wow, my perspective is he's pretty fearless with it. But this energy came in to him this awareness, the new techniques, the, the different way to do the attunements. All of that came to him because he had an audience. He had all these students that were already all around the world. And so if he could introduce this, they didn't have to take it. But if they resonated with it, they would know. They would know that this was available. Then they could choose for themselves. And that vision, that whatever you want to call it, and the awareness that came and how I saw the earth light up, It all came together for me in probably like 20 seconds. And I went, oh, I want to be a part of that. And that is why I took the training. Wow. I didn't have anything quite that
1: dramatic. For me, it was just coming up and coming up. It did not go away. And I knew that this was happening for a reason. And one of my favorite sentences is everything is purposeful as I know that to be absolute truth. And there was no coincidence that holy fire kept coming up in my consciousness. And then the time was right in the fall of 2015. Everything came together in terms of available classes, uh, transportation, my schedule, everything just came together as it often does with things like Reiki. The synchronicity was right there, so I took the class and I never looked back. But I just want to comment on what you said about William. I absolutely agree with everything you said. William, in my belief at least, he was chosen as the messenger because his life is devoted to Reiki, teaching it, spreading the awareness, raising the awareness getting as many people trained and practicing as possible for the very simple reason that you mentioned, the earth is in serious trouble. And Usui did wonders for Reiki, but he was one man on a mountaintop in the 1920s. There was very few ways in which you could reach large numbers of people instantly, if any at all. So Spirit waited. Spirit waited until the right vehicle in the form of William Rand came along, and he received the energy. And also, what's important to remember, and what I tell students and clients about Holy Fire, is that it truly is the new evolution of Reiki, because when you start to learn it, you realize how much more streamlined it is than Usui Reiki. The way the energy is transmitted to the student is so streamlined. The way it's taught is streamlined. There is so much direct interaction with spirit in Holy Fire Reiki training that was lacking, if you will, in Usui Reiki. And I think that's part of the reason why it was delivered now, because it is so streamlined that makes it, again, more accessible. People are going, oh yeah, this is easy. I can learn this very quickly. And teachers are going, I know myself, I was thrilled when I learned about the way the energy is transmitted to the student. It was so much physically easier than attunements And I was thrilled to be able to have the students experience that. Plus, the students received much more benefit from the placement, the transmission of energy. And I know this is all being done for a reason. This is part of the evolution of Reiki, of the planet, of humanity.
0: Yes. And I just want to speak to something that you said, too, the directness. And some people may not be aware of the attunement placement thing. And so let's go ahead and clear that up. Anybody doesn't know. In the other styles of Reiki, Usui Tibetan, just for example, to tune the student in as a channel of this energy, the Reiki master teacher had many steps that they would perform behind the student, in front of the student. It was quite complicated. There was a physical element to that. And it intimidated a lot of Reiki master teachers because they didn't want to mess that up. So the ability to channel Reiki depended on the Reiki master teacher performing all of these steps. And that is what tuned the student into the frequency of Reiki and allowed them to channel it. So that was like the crux of training, right? And with Holy Fire, that all changed. And what happened was instead of that multi-step attunement process that the teacher would perform to tune in the student. Now, in Holy Fire Reiki, the master teacher simply reads a script, a guided meditation script, and it's pretty short. It only takes a couple of minutes, and then the teacher's quiet, totally quiet, and does not interfere energetically at all And what happens is for about 20 to 25 minutes or so, the energy itself, this holy fire Reiki energy, this energy connects directly with each and every student directly. And it does not go through the teacher. The teacher's creating this opportunity for this to occur. And here comes the energy. I don't know about our listeners, but that resonates so strongly with me for two reasons. Number one, nobody needs another person between them and source. I totally believe that. We are all worthy and able to connect to source directly. So I love that. I love that. I think that's very validating and just a wonderful aspect of this. And then the second reason I love that is it's easier to teach. And what does that do? All that intimidation of the teacher trying to get every little step right and all of that, it makes all that go away. And so it's easy to teach. And what we're seeing is more students go on to teach and that brings more people into Reiki. I just don't know what could be better. I went from, oh my gosh, holy what to this. And I'm so thrilled that I listened along the way, and went ahead with it. I wanted to ask you, Kathleen, the word holy sort of held both of us up. And I wanted to find out, how did you reconcile that? Where are you with that now?
1: Good question, Andrea. However, I wanted to circle back to something you said a few moments ago about Mm -hmm. teaching Usui Reiki versus teaching holy fire Reiki. I was one of those teachers who stressed about the Usui attunements, all those steps, all those things I had to remember, where the symbols went, where I placed my hands, etc., etc. It was a lot. And honestly, mm-hmm. it prevented me from actually teaching for quite some time, mm-hmm. because it just instills a lot of fear and self-doubt. Mm-hmm. I mean, I eventually overcame that, and I was teaching regularly, and I was really enjoying it. But <laughs> there was always that, oh, my goodness, what if I do something wrong? Am I going to screw this up? That mm-hmm. seed of doubt still lingered. Once I finally embraced the Holy Fire training and the energy, it was as if, oh, my goodness, the weight of the world fell off my shoulders. Mm-hmm. There was nothing for me to do. Yes. I could not screw this up if I tried. <laughs> and yes, how many times can we say something like that, right? Right. I was thrilled. It was so easy to teach and it was so much more beneficial for the students. So it was a win-win. And since that time, a lot of the students I have trained as Holy Fire master teachers are now teaching. So what you Mm -hmm. said is absolutely true because it is easier to teach, easier to learn. It becomes this giant snowball that keeps growing and rolling along. And it's great because more and more people are now receiving
0: all the benefits of Reiki. And doesn't it make sense that it should be simple? Because remember how simple Reiki at its core is. Universally guided life force energy.
1: It just makes sense. Exactly. It's so much more streamlined than it used to be. And honestly, that is a-okay with me. I Mm -hmm. don't like things that are unnecessarily complicated. Life is tough enough. Life is complicated enough. Let's not complicate things that are inherently simple. Right. So yes, the streamlined version of Reiki is wonderful. And I'm very, very glad that I was ultimately led to that. Now, I know you did ask me about the holy word. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The holy word was a hang-up for me. There is no question. But what I did is something I usually do when I detect a block or some kind of healing needed around a certain word or idea or concept. I started diving into it. I started reading about it. I started doing my research, educating myself about this holy fire thing, you know, as I mm-hmm. thought of it back then. <laughs> right. And the more I learned, the more my fears and doubts slipped away. Mm-hmm. I learned that holy is simply a word derived from the word whole and wholeness and has mm-hmm. nothing to do with any religion, but going back to my upbringing, I was raised in a fairly traditional, strict Catholic household with all the guilt piled on that comes Mm. with being raised Catholic. I went through kindergarten and all through grammar school and high school in Catholic school. And to the point where I was in a convent when I was 14, I was going to become a nun. That's how what? entrenched I was in the Catholic faith. Yes, the little-known facts, confessions what? of a
0: Reiki master. Yes, I was going oh, to be we're a both nun. doing yes. it. Yes, I love mm-hmm. it.
1: Oh my gosh,
0: <laughs> I had no idea.
1: So yes, and yeah, most people don't know. But I spent a year in a convent um, when I was fourteen because I was going to be a nun and. Well, that clearly didn't work out. (laughs) But anyway, that's another story. That'll be a different confession of a Reiki master.
0: (laughs) Yes. Okay. But
1: so there was a lot to unpack there for me around the word holy, as you can imagine. And I could feel that rising up in me all that resistance, all those feelings of guilt and shame and. You're going to hell unless you do A, B, C, D, and E, and F, and G, (laughs) the standards by which I could not hope to attain. So I had a lot to unpack there, but I did. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I was guided to do it that way. The word holy triggered my need to heal the religious trauma I carried. It brought it out into the open and said, here, you have to deal with this right, Andrea? I think you know what I'm talking about, right?
0: Yeah, I. you know what? I do. And so, like you, I was so relieved when I could go back to, oh, it's from the root word, whole and complete. Oh, okay. So, that was like, whew, okay, I got, a, I got a reasonable explanation here. Um, but secondly, I would say you can look all through the manuals. There's no dogma. There's no, you have to do this or else. Right. There's no system of belief. It's just a word and that's it. Now, the interesting thing, when you spoke just now and you said that you could see it came up for a reason so you could heal that, I had that same sort of epiphany. I started teaching the classes even, and I I admit Here's another confession coming, but I admit I would teach the class and I'd still have kind of a glitch inside me. In Holy Fire Reiki, the word holy isn't the only sort of religious word because we also refer to different levels of consciousness as heavens. So you see, there's another religious word there. And so that kind of ruffled my feathers too. I thought, oh no. But what I'll say is is there's nothing like teaching Reiki, practicing Reiki, to let you know that you're a work in progress. You don't have to have it all figured out. We're all working toward wholeness. We're all working to heal different things. And while I didn't grow up in a convent or anything like that, I was always promoting Reiki as non-religious, that when those words were even mentioned in my classes, I admit I still had a little bit of a glitch until one time I was teaching, and all of a sudden I had an awareness. And it was, of course, these words are no accident. These words are here in this manual. They came through in the guidance to William that it would be named this. These are the terms that will come through. And that is not an accident because, exactly for what you said, Kathleen. No longer could our religious trauma or our unease be kept as being swept under the rug. What Holy Fire Reiki has done is it's peeled back the carpeting and had us become uncomfortable so that we could address those things, that we could revisit that and heal that. And to me, it was sort of like this backdoor blessing or something that I didn't see for the longest time. And so now I just love the words. It's like, all right, class, let's get into this, you know?
1: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things that I noticed, too, and I agree with everything you just said, that those words were chosen for a reason. Speaking for myself, it was for me to address that trauma that I'd been carrying around and honestly was pretty much unaware of. But what I've noticed since I came to terms with the word holy and, yeah, the word heavens as well, is that when I talk about this in class, so many students share their own stories of religious trauma. Mm -hmm. And it is so humbling to be in the presence of some of their stories. And it made me realize just how prevalent and widespread religious trauma is. Anyone who was raised in a religious household probably has some form of that to some degree because of the dogma. A lot of the times the guilt and the shame and the fear go along with all the Religiosity. So, being able to talk to students and clients about their own struggles with religious trauma in the context of Holy Fire has been not only very healing for them, but it has helped me to grow and learn and to be a better teacher and to be a better practitioner as well.
0: And as long as we're talking about words that have come through in Holy Fire, I was never even familiar with the term religious trauma. I didn't know that that was a thing. I mean, I knew that people had baggage from religion. But a telltale sign is people who don't like to use the word God. If our listeners are sitting there wondering or thinking, oh, I don't have any religious trauma, but they don't like to use the word God. Instead, they'll use universe or source or they just switch the word out because it makes them feel a little bit better. If you do that, you may have religious trauma. But what a gift, right? Just the terminology that has come through has just created so much opportunity, I think, to go into these areas that we've really just glossed over and we've just pushed down and gone on with life and they've just been playing in the background and they've been very instrumental in a lot of our issues. This, for me, has come full circle. It was, at the beginning, a source of just anxiety, dislike, I use the word betrayal, you know, earlier on. So at first it was Mm -hmm. that now I love it. I love it. I think it's just juicy Mm -hmm. and ripe with the opportunity for people to heal and talk about coming full circle. I'm so glad that we got to talk about that today. And hopefully that might help further the understanding about this particular style of Reiki.
1: Yes, absolutely, and Andrea, I too have come full circle from those initial feelings of disappointment, anger, fear, and even betrayal, like you said. I trusted the ICRT, I respected them, and it was almost like a gut punch when I first read that, holy fire Reiki, oh Mm -hmm. no, what is this? And now, honestly, I can't say enough about the energy, and I am so glad Reiki guided me to it. And I listened. (laughs) Because at the end of the day, doesn't matter how much we're guided, we have to listen to it if we want to make any changes or grow. I hope Alex is happy with the answers we've provided. (laughs) We went a little bit off topic, but I think it all comes back to the same thing. And it's just all about Reiki. And at its heart, it is beautifully simple and simply beautiful. And I think we need to remember that. No matter how it's dressed up, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's a beautifully simple energy that's available to every single person on the planet. Indeed. Well, once again, we have used up all our time. We really enjoyed this topic. And of course, if you have any questions or any suggestions for us for a future episode, please let us know. We always enjoy hearing from our listeners. We will be with you again in two weeks beyond the Reiki Gateway, and until then, take care and be well, and we have one final announcement for you, and we hope you will stay tuned. Thank you.
0: We'd like to take a moment just for a small announcement, and first we'd just like to say how grateful we are for you listening, sending in your ideas and feedback. We are both having so much fun and enjoying the relationship that we're building with you as you tune in to the different episodes and interact with us. We'd also like to extend an invitation to those of you who'd like to do a little bit more to support Kathleen and myself. If the idea resonates with you and you'd like to help us out, you can find a link in the show notes below each episode or also on our website. We've tried to make it easy for you and you can buy us a cup of coffee or two. And it's really not coffee, but it's just a cute little way to send in a few dollars here and there. With that being said, if you're guided to help us, we certainly appreciate it. But if you can't, or you just don't feel like the time is right for you to do that, we completely understand. And don't worry, Kathleen and I are committed to continue bringing you the episodes that we hope you'll find engaging, thought-provoking, and perhaps a little bit of fun along the way as we travel with you beyond the Reiki Gateway. Thank you again for listening and helping us build a meaningful community.